Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Good evening, family. So good to see you tonight. What a beautiful Alaska fall day we have. Anybody see the termination dust on Pioneer Peak? Yeah. Okay, I didn't mention it. It's on Twin Peaks, too. So uh, I didn't mention that. Yeah. So good to be here. And uh, I just want to say thank you to your pastors uh, for allowing us to come. I never take it for granted to share in any spot, in any place, in any church and ministry. And I want to thank you so much again for allowing us to come again and be here and share with your wonderful family and spend time with you. Uh, you know, uh, they're going to be with us in September, last part of September, at our church speaking. Uh, they're one of the uh, favorite couples of our church uh, to come in and minister. If they weren't, I wouldn't have them back. But they, uh, they're, uh... no, I just have them because I like them. But I love them, and I love their integrity as well. Uh, everything he said about us, I see that in them here growing and modeling uh, what it means to, to love God. You know, being perfect is not the goal. Making all the right decisions is not the goal. Uh, having all the answers, all the wisdom, and everything is not the goal. That's reserved for God. Uh what I observe is a person that has a commitment to a cause and will pay the ultimate price and put it all on the line. Give your pastors a great hand of applause here tonight, would you? And this morning, we had seven in the first service, 13 in the second service. We had 20 people that raised their hand to give their heart to the Lord this morning and commit their lives to Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I'm not going to preach per se. I love a structured sermon. I love my points. I love my, my quotes and everything. I like to have it all together and to convey a word from the Lord. Tonight, we're just going to kind of walk through the Bible a little bit. And I want to focus on one word, and that word is experiential. Psalm one. Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Father, thank you for this, another time with this incredible church family, a church of destiny, and we thank you for it, Father. And Lord, may your blessing and your anointing continue to increase here, influence, favor, in this community, we pray supernatural finances in every way, Lord. And I pray, God, tonight, this moment together, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear from you, Holy Spirit, what you have to speak to every person here while I'm talking tonight. Speak life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the word here says of Jesus and of the Lord, the things of God, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, Taste is an experience, right? It's an experience. There's a restaurant in one of the communities that we have a campus in, about 30 miles south of where we live. And when guests come in, they want to go, they've heard of it, or 
somebody told them about it once they got there, and they want to go to a place called Lambert's. And I've taken your, parent, your, your, your pastors there before, maybe several times. And um, uh, they were featured on CBS Good Morning America years ago. Bus tours come through. It's a town of about 16,000 people and two intersections of interstates. Bus tours will deviate to come through there to eat at Lambert's. You can go there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday and sometimes wait in line for an hour to eat. You say, what, what kind of food do they have? Well, they just have good country cooking. I mean, they have a pork steak. That's, they bring it out on a skillet. It's about this big. They have grilled chicken. They have fried chicken. They have frog legs. They have, they have bologna, fried bologna and white beans, and they have... They, they have fried potatoes and fried okra. It's the South. Everything is fried, okay? Fried. We have fried Twinkies and fried Oreos at our state fairs. What do you have here? A Reuben sandwich. Come on. We Googled it. That's the most famous thing is like a Reuben wrapper sandwich. I'm talking, really? You got no, you got no deep fried Twinkies here? What's going on? It's great, I mean, turnip greens, carrots, and green beans, and all this. It's just good country cooking. But there's other people that has good country cooking. But they don't have what this, this restaurant has. It's advertised going down the interstate. You'll see it says, Home of the Throwed Rolls. They make these big homemade rolls that takes, they're yeast rolls. It takes both hands to go around one of them like this. And they'll come out with a cart and a whole tray of them here. And they'll have young boys, you know, a lot of them on the, on the baseball team. Some of them aren't, you can tell. And then they'll say, throw a roll, throw. And people start throwing their hands up. And the, and the restaurant is so big, it's got, I mean, it's got several rooms, like half the size of this, and then another room like that, and another, like four or five rooms, half the size of this sanctuary. And so they'll be in this section, somebody back there is waving their hands, and they'll pick up that roll and throw that thing all the way back there. And everybody else is waving, throw me one. And they'll throw, and they don't always, they don't always, uh, they don't always catch them. You know, you got to catch too. And so they don't always catch them, and they hit the wall. What do they do? They throw them another one. And then sometimes they walk by little kids, they'll just pitch them to them and that sort of thing. They hit a person in the face not too long ago. They sued them, didn't get a thing out of it. The judge says, no, it's your fault you didn't catch it. And then they walk by, they, they call them pass-arounds. Old Norm, Norm was the one that started Old Norm's pass-around. So they'll come by and they'll have fried okra. And you don't even have to have your plate yet, you just pull off one of those paper towels, lay it down, they'll dip out a big spoonful of fried okra. And then they, then they got fried potatoes, and then they got, you're feeling it right now, aren't you, brother? There's an anointing over here in this area. Might want to move over there. But, but you get that rolled, and they'll come by. They've got honey and butter on the table. But then they'll come by, they'll come by with the real stuff. And the real stuff you can only get in the South, sorghum molasses. It's this thick, demonic stuff. 
They used to squeeze out the cane on my grandfather's farm. They made molasses. It is thick. It is sweet. It is awesome. And they'll take a spoon and they'll roll it around and hold it up and it'll just kind of start dripping down and they'll play with it. And you open that and, and you've got your roll there and they'll put that sorghum molasses on that roll. By the time you eat your roll with sorghum molasses, you're full. And then they bring you a big, big plastic cup of sweet tea. No, you don't have to sweeten it. That's, that's not right. It comes. They sweeten it when they make it. And, uh, and, and you just, I mean, it's, you know what it is? It's an experience. You can go down the road and get, just get good food. There are other restaurants. They drove by 50 of them in our town north of there. I mean, good restaurants to get thrown at, <laughs> to have some kid throw a roll at them and catch it and put all butter and all that stuff on it and eat it, knowing that it's not good for you, but they eat it anyway. It's an experience. Everybody say experience. That's what the word in psalmist is saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You, you see, I, I love while I go all these kids up here worshiping the Lord up front. Okay, What are they doing? They're getting a little taste. Getting a little taste to see. If all we do is intellectualize the gospel, if all we do is just learn, I thank God for your school. You need it. We've got one too. We were talking about that earlier. We're connected with another university. And I believe in academic training. My, both my daughters have graduate degrees. One has a master's degree. The other one has an MBA and a law degree. And both of them have worked for me. One's working for me right now, the one with the law degree. She's our business manager for our church. And she got an MBA while she was doing that, so, so it helped out. Uh, I've, got two st I've got a staff person right now working on his Ph.D. I've got another one who just finished a master's degree. I've got, I've got one with multiple master's degrees. I got some like me that's just trying to figure it out. But we, we've got people on staff. That I believe in education. I believe in education. One of my books is now a curriculum for an, in, a, in a Bible college. It is required curriculum. I, I believe in that. But if all we do is pass on information about God, we will fall short in our, in our, our call of God because God is to be tasted, tasted to experience God in our lives, let's look at some people that experience God. How about the three Hebrew boys? Now, they'd been taught about God. They had had the law read to them. They knew that the law said, you shall have no other gods before you, that you weren't supposed to bow down and worship any god. But then they were taken captive. These boys were taken captive from their land. They're basically slaves. But they're recognized as sharp young guys, so they're being trained. And, and they're, they're being raised up to serve in positions into the kingdom. And so they're, 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 they're going to be in positions of leadership in the kingdom. But one day the king has a bright idea to have a big statue made of himself so that when he wants to, he has the, the band strike up. And when the music plays, everybody is supposed to bow down and worship this image that the king has made. And, and it did. Everybody did except three young men because they had a head knowledge that you are not supposed to do that. 
And they took that head knowledge, became their conviction, and they stood on their head knowledge. Then the king came to him and said, now look, you can do one of two things. You can do what I say, or you see that furnace over there, I'm going to throw you in it. We're going to burn you up. We're going to kill you. I'm going to make an example out of you. I love what the boys said. They said, we're not afraid of you, king. I'm paraphrasing. We're not afraid of you. You do whatever you want to do. Our God will deliver us. But listen to this next phrase, and this is where, this is where your convictions come in. But if he doesn't. See, some people say, I'm going to serve God if he blesses me. He, are you breathing? He blessed you. All right? All right. Are you saved? He's blessed you. If God never did another thing for you and I, if we lived in hell on earth right now, salvation alone would be enough for us to serve God. He said, but if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship you. Because we have a head knowledge of what we're supposed to do and what we're not supposed to do. And we're not, this is our conviction. We're going to do it. They threw him in the fire furnace and what happened? The old heathen king looked over and said, wait a minute. And by the way, the guards that threw him in, the heat of the furnace killed them, took their breath away and killed them. Now, these boys are bound up. They threw them in there, tied up, just pitched them in. And finally, the king walks over. It must have been a big furnace because he could see in it. He says, wait a minute. Didn't we throw three guys in all bound up? But I see four walking around in there, and one is like the Son of God. Now, first of all, time out. Who taught him about the Son of God? What Sunday school class did he go to when he was growing up? Nada, nit, none. He don't, he don't know anything about God, but even a heathen king can have a revelation of who the Son of God is in a moment in time. These boys came out of the fire, weren't even smelling like smoke. They were promoted above everybody else. You know why? Because they tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They had an experience with God. Now they had a head knowledge of Him, but now they've got an experience with God that changed their lives and ultimately the kingdom. How about King David? When the, when the ark was brought back into Jerusalem, King David was so excited. I think, I think it reminded me of your pastor, Daniel. Sometimes he gets excited. And I love it. I love it. I'm basically an, extra, an introvert. Now, I grew up out in the country, and I could play with my dog all day long and ride my pony. I didn't have to talk to anybody. I'm basically an introvert. My wife is an extrovert. So she's helped me in the ministry. But, you know, basically I can still go out and play if I had a horse all day long. I enjoy my company. Because I always agree with me. When the ark comes in, what does David do? Daniel do? He's dancing. I mean, and I don't mean he's going. He's not doing that clogging thing. I mean, he's, he is dancing before the Lord and twirling and worshiping God and all of the different the things that. The, 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 the worship means in the Bible. He was doing all of that stuff so much that his wife, Michael, watching from the window, despised him and got on to him later and said, you're doing that in front of them, all them young girls. He said, it was as unto the Lord. He was dancing before the Lord. Why? Because he was so excited. You know why? Because he had tasted to see that the Lord was good. The king, the presence of God was being brought back in. You know, some people in worship, when we come together, like, when's this going to be over? I just want to show up for the preaching. I don't want to hear that singing stuff. 
So we don't have a concept of what worship is. Well, I don't like the song. <laughs> He's cut the head off of my enemy. He is Lord. Yeah, I wouldn't like that either. No, I, 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 I wouldn't want that. Why don't we get over ourselves and recognize it's not about what we like. It's about lifting up. The, the one that gives us breath right now, it's worship. It's worship. It's worship unto the Lord. David, no wonder said David was a man after my own heart. How awesome. How about Elijah one day? Now, here's a guy that walks into the king's court, and he says, uh, Hi, my name's Elisha. I'm a Tishbite. I can just imagine. I don't know how you read the Bible, but this is how my, my mind works. I'm sure the king's like, does anybody know what a Tishbite is? What do you want, old man? It ain't going to rain till I say so. He turned around and walked out. And the king's like, anybody know what a Tishbite is? Huh? Google, Google that for me. Tishbite. He's gone. They didn't take him serious, but three years later, they're, they're hunting for water somewhere, and they're hunting for him. Finally, God speaks to him to come back to Ahab and speak to him again. He told him, of course, he called fire down from heaven, all those type things. But then he said, I'm going to go pray for it to rain. He told Ahab, he said, you know, you, you best get on your horse and get to town because it's going to rain. It hadn't rained in three years. So he prays, and, 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 and after a servant came back one time, he said, have you seen anything? No. You seen anything? No. You seen anything? No. You seen anything? And finally he comes back, so you seen anything? Yeah, it's a cloud about the size of a man's hand. Elijah jumped up. He jumps up and he starts running. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Now he starts running, and Ahab is in his chariot with his prize horses, whipping them, running toward the city, because now he's kind of got confidence that Elijah knows what he's talking about until he gets home and Jezebel tells him he doesn't. And so, so that's, that's what kind of reminds me of a couple today. But I'm not going to get into that in leadership position somewhere. But anyway, anyway, Elijah runs so fast that he outruns the horses. That reminds me of your pastor again. I mean, just outruns the horses. And Ahab's like, man, that guy's crazy. When I was a boy, my, my grandfather, I didn't call him grandfather, called him Papaw. And Richard was his name, Papaw Richard. And uh, he, he had about a third grade education, grew up in the country, had to work. He worked in the coal mines when they had little ponies in there to pull the coal out. And uh, had a farm. He worked in the coal mines and the farm all his life. And he was, he was a worker. He was a worker. He taught me work ethics. He did everything fast. He had stop and, and high speed. That was it. And and uh, and 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 I, I was like, I mean, his shadow growing up. He's a second dad to me. But he wasn't an emotional guy. He didn't get up and speak. He wasn't articulate. Uh, he 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 was he didn't do anything like that in church. He served as a deacon in his little little church there for uh, for years. And good man, just a solid man of God. Great character. I learned so much from him. But we'd be in a church service. And the presence of God would start to move, and, and, and he'd just be sitting over just be sitting over there, his bald head, just be sitting over there. And all of a sudden, 
The presence of God would hit him. And he would leap out of his seat like he was shot out of a cannon. And, and if he was sitting here, he would take off. You don't have an aisle on the outside. But he would take off and run down that aisle and run all the way across the church and run all the way up this way and run all the way across this way back to seat and just sit down. I mean, I'm not talking, I'm talking dead on 100-yard dash, money's on the line running. I mean, just as, I mean, down like this running. And, and for a kid, that's like entertaining. It's like, wow, do it again, Papa. Let's see that again, man. That's cool. Now, I've never had that experience. Never prayed for that experience. But God would touch him, and that's how he would express it. He didn't get up and dance a jig and run around and do that. Stuff. He would just run around the church. for, for no. And he wasn't trying to draw attention to himself. He was just sitting there absorbing the presence of God. He was tasting and seeing that the Lord was good. And like a firecracker, boom, he had to let off some steam. Zoom! Sit back down. Some people would criticize that. Some would make fun of it. But he was tasting the Lord. An experience will change your life. How about Peter? He's in a boat one day. Storm. Jesus comes walking on the water. Peter says, Jesus, can I come walk on the water with you? He says, sure. Interesting that the other 11 didn't get out of the boat at all. People criticize, hey, he got out and got wet. But he's the only one ever walked on water, only human being that ever walked on water. You see, he, he had to get out of the boat of comfort. He had to get out of the boat of complacency. He had to get out of the boat of fear, the boat of timidity, the boat of apathy, the boat of people-pleasing. He had to get out of the lazy boat. And if you're going to walk on water with Jesus, if you're going to walk with Jesus doing what he's doing, you've got to get out of your boat. What did Peter do? Peter experienced something through that venture that none of the other 11 experienced with him. Is there any wonder why it's Peter on the day of Pentecost that stood up and preached the message? How about, how about the woman who was caught in adultery, thrown at the feet of Jesus while he was teaching one day? We found this woman caught in adultery. The law of Moses says, Stoner, what do you say? They were trying to trick Jesus into nullifying his message or speaking against the law of Moses. And if he had, they would have stoned them both. No questions asked, no trial, no judge, no nothing, boom. They would have stoned him that day. You probably know the story. If you don't, he, he didn't respond immediately. I do a t teaching for pastors and conferences entitled Dealing with Difficult Dilemmas. The proverbial rock in the hard place. And I extracted right out of this story. And the first thing he did was stayed calm. He didn't react, but they wanted him to react. When it was all over, though, the point of this message is that they were gone. He says, where are your accusers? She says, they're all gone. He says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. She experienced the forgiveness and acceptance of Jesus. Notice he accepted her before he gave her instructions about life. He didn't say, now, woman, if you stop this sinning, I'll accept you. No, he said, neither do I 
condemn you. But if you don't stop this behavior, next time might be your last time. Go and sin no more. But he said, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting you, but go and sin no more. She How many here tonight you've experienced the forgiveness of God in your life and the acceptance of God in your life? That's an experience. How about Lazarus who experienced resurrection life? Mummified, dead. And his, even his sister said, he stinketh, man. But when Jesus called his name, the resurrection and the life, he comes out of that tomb. Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And they did. And he lived many more years. And the fame of that went around the region. Lazarus had a resurrection experience. One of my favorite stories of experience is the woman who had the issue of blood. She had a blood disease. She went to the doctors. The Bible says she, she whenever doctor she could, she spent all that she had and was no better and was going to die. But she heard that Jesus was coming. Evidently, his, his reputation preceded him because she said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. I wish I had about 20 minutes to unpack the hem of his garment because there were things woven along the hem of his garment. The bottom line is the hem of the garment represented the Word of God. So what she's saying, if I could just touch the Word. In Exodus, he sent his Word. He's a healer. He's the Lord God that heals. In Psalm 107.20, he sent his word and healed them. She said, if I could just touch the word, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'd be made whole. Now, this woman is anemic. That means she's weak. If you're in the medical profession, you know that. If she's had a blood disease for 12 years, she's very anemic. She doesn't have a lot of energy. There's a crowd around Jesus so tight that the 12 disciples are making a circle like a ring of bodyguards so he can walk in the middle of it going down the road and they're pushing people out of the way. And somehow, some way, this woman presses through the crowd. I don't know if she's crawling on her hands and knees or whatever, but she gets through there and gets a hand on the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus stopped and said, somebody touched me. You know what he said? Somebody experienced you. Somebody just had an experience. And his disciples are, well, sure, why? We, we're doing our best to keep people touched. He's, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Virtue went out of me. This, and, and then here's this woman. She tells her story. He said, your faith has made you whole. Jesus didn't lay hands on and pray for her. No, I, I'm sure Jesus, knowing all, knew she was coming. But, 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 but she snuck up behind him. She touched the hem of his garment. She had an experience that saved her life. I guess my favorite, though. Don't even know his name. We're going to do a series starting in November at our church on nameless people in the Bible. The nameless people that made such a difference. There was this guy that he was, he was on the side of the road. He's blind. He was begging. The blind man, he cries out, Jesus, Jesus, loud, Jesus. They said, shh, be quiet. Religion always wants you to stop and be quiet. 
Jesus, Jesus. He's thinking, this is my only hope. Jesus comes up to him and says, what do you want, son? He said, I, I, I want to see. I want to see. Jesus heals him. And Jesus goes on about his business. Well, then there's an uproar among all of the religious leaders. And they pull his parents in and says, who is this man that healed him? When did he do this? And what's his credentials? And his parents, knowing the viciousness of them and what they could do, said, you know what? He's a grown man. You ask him. So they drug this guy in. Who is this guy? What is he doing? Where's his credentials? Who's he? What church is he with? What denomination is he of? Who is this guy? And when the man who had been blind all of his life was questioned by the cold, legalistic, religious leaders about the credibility of Jesus, replied this way in John 9, 25. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I know. Though I was blind, now I see. I don't know about all this stuff. I don't know where he came from. I don't know where he's going. I don't know what denominations he's with. But I tell you what, boys, all of my life I've been blind. And y'all been walking by putting a nickel and a dime every now and then in this can I've been holding. And you ain't done nothing for me. But this man touched me, and I was blind, but now I see. That's what I know, boys. I can see today. An experience will always trump an argument every time. Well, is Jesus, just Jesus, still do miracles today. I'll just go, go knock it off. We're not having an argument. I've had an experience. Oh, Jesus, is that salvation stuff for today? Stop it. You can't argue with that. I've had an experience. And your experience is all that God requires for you to pass on to somebody else. I don't know about where, where all of Adam and Eve's kids got their wives. I don't know. People ask that. Well, where did Cain and Abel get their wives? Oh, well, online? I don't know. You know, I'm sorry, but I have a gift of sarcasm. Okay, if you hadn't noticed, I have a real gift of sarcasm. So when people say, oh, a dating site, you know, Christians are us, you know, the lost, lost garden group. So I don't know, but I know one thing. If I'm not right with God, I'm going to hell, and so are you. Actually, I wouldn't say that to somebody. Maybe. Just depends. If I got anointed. No, what I know is that God loves you, and Jesus died on the cross for you, and salvation is available to everybody. I don't have all these answers, but I have this answer. You know, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Are you getting anything? Experience. An experience will always trump an argument. And you know when Jesus ascended into heaven in Acts 1, he told his followers to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. In Acts 1.5 it says, Jesus said to them, he said, John, truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now those are the words of Jesus, okay? So he, he gives us a parallel, a picture parallel of, he says, you know, John baptized you in water, but you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then verse 8 said, you will receive power. Everybody shout power. power. 
When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. And then in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was given, accompanied by what? Sound, wind, a symbol of fire, and a heavenly language. What is all of that? They experienced God in a way they never knew was possible, and it did change everything. It's funny, some of these commercials on TV, if you'll buy this, it will change everything. No, it won't. That's false advertising. I don't think it'll change anything. I'm not buying it. But this changed everything. Peter, who denied Jesus three times before his trial, now stands up because some are asking, what is this? Others were accusing them of being drunk. Now, let's, let's set the scene just a second. I'm about to wrap this up. I don't preach any longer on Sunday night than I do Sunday morning, kids, so it's okay. Relax. Let's set the scene. It's, it's in the morning time. It's before noon, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them. There's like this thing of like a symbol of fire, the best we can understand from the word over their head baptizes them in the Holy Spirit, and they speak in other tongues. Now, the, the, there were, it was the Feast of Pentecost, which was one of the major feasts of, of, of Jew, the Jewish people, the Hebrews of Israel. Uh, it was the Feast of 50 Days. It was the Feast of Pentecost. So people were there uh, from all around the regions come in, and there were different dialects there in different languages. And they were saying, we hear them. Declaring the praises of God in our native tongue, in our language, without an accent. Now, you can learn another language, but chances are you're going to have an accent unless you're an extremely gifted linguist or you immerse yourself in that language. You are going to have an accent of some kind. I mean, you can go to a restaurant or anywhere else here, and if you have somebody from a foreign country that English is their second language, you know immediately they not from here, okay? But they say we hear them speak in our language. There's no accent. But now there's another group in that group that says, they're just drunk. Now, I want you to think about that statement just for a second, okay? And we just stop and say, Listen to the ridiculous things that people say. They're just drunk. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what drunk people do. Late Saturday night, some old boy sitting at the end of the bar, and he's had as many shots as he can handle, and he falls off the bar stool, falls on the floor, and starts speaking in clear, articulate Mandarin. Or whatever pastor was trying to speak this morning. Or fluent German, and they can't spell Germany. Yeah, that's what drunk people do. How many of you have done that? That's a trick question, I know. Some of you are like. Have you ever seen that in a bar? Have you ever seen that in a drunk person? If you're a policeman, have you ever pulled over anybody and they're intoxicated and you walked up and they were speaking fluent French and they're from Willow? Huh? 
You see how ridiculous that statement is? It's like, what are you thinking? They're not. But many are saying, what is that? I like the King James Version on this one. That's one I grew up on. Peter said, this is that. <laughs> oh. We're going to start a series right after your pastor leaves our church and preaches the next Sunday. We're going to start a series entitled, This Is That. Peter said this in Acts 2.16. Know what you see was predicted a long ago by the prophet Joel. And then he starts quoting from Joel. And he says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. What is that? Experience. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Experience. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Experience. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men, and women alike, and they will prophesy experience. God is more than a picture on a wall. He's more than a statue in a corner or a stained glass window. God is more than a history lesson. He's history himself, and he's the future. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I got news for you. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, whatever he's ever done, he'll do today, and he's going to be locked and loaded to do it tomorrow. One experience with God can and will change your life. You say you're preaching to the choir here tonight, Pastor, because it's Sunday night, and we're at church. Obviously, we've had an experience with God, or we'd be home watching TV, or we'd be fighting the mass crowd at the state fair to get that Reuben roll. How many here would say, I've had some kind of experience with God that's changed my life? But, you know, it's not a one-and-done thing. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's not a one-and-done thing. The Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. That, that literal translation is, be being filled. It's a constant thing in our life. An experience with God should be a continual thing. I know there's those landmark experiences. I mean, that you can go back to and you can nail your experience with God to this day, this time. This is when I got saved, or this is when I got healed, or here's when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, or here's when God did this, or God did this in my family, and you can just put your finger on that. I understand that. I get that. But we need to be in a mindset as a church family that God is to be experienced, not once upon a time, but right now. This generation needs an experiential God. They need to experience God. They need to experience the power. That's why churches like this are necessary. You are essential. Last year when I flew in in September, the height of COVID, I had to get a COVID test before I came in, before I came here to Alaska. I came in the airport on the red eyes about, you know, 1130 of a night or so. And I walk in, there's this cute little girl here, and they got these tables lined up with, with all, you know, to get your papers. I had to have the paper, and I had it within 72 hours. 
And she asked me something about, you know, why are you here? I said, well, business or pleasure. I said, well, it'll both. both. Well, um, and she started asking me, are you from a business or whatnot? And I said, uh, what, what, do you, what do you need? She said, well, are you essential? And she's just doing her job. You know, she's been brainwashing the people that she worked for. She's just doing her job. You know, and I, 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 you know, I just got off of a long flight at 11:30 the night, and I'm sarcastic by nature. It's one of my spiritual gifts. But I caught myself, which is rare. But I caught myself. I want to say, well, my wife thinks I'm essential. My children think I'm. My grandchildren. My church, Jesus thinks I'm essential because I wouldn't be breathing his air right now. But I didn't say any of that to her. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm essential. And just walked on along. One experience with God can change a lifetime. But we're not to live on the experiences of the past we're to live in the freshness, oh, taste and see. You know, when your pastors come in a few weeks, they'll probably want to go to Lambert, especially now. And you know, I'm going to take them. I'm not sending another pastor down there. I got a dozen of them, but they're not going. I'm going to take them because I'm going to catch the first roll. I, I, I don't eat much bread anymore. I, I, I cut out bread and a lot of carbs and things like that to be healthy and slim and trim. And so that when I'm this guy's age over here, I can do what he's doing. That's what I want to do. I, I want, that's what I want to do. I told my church a couple of weeks ago, we had a dream night. I said, I'm not retiring. We're not moving. And it's our intention to live here in this, live here in this community and serve this church in some capacity till Jesus comes and gets us or we go meet him. That's what I want to do. That's, that's my goal. That's what, as I grow up, that's what I want to be right there. So I've, I've, got, you know, I've got to take care of myself. But it's what you do consistently, not what you do just every now and then. So I'm not eating any bread. I don't eat any bread between now and then. But when I go down there, I'm catching the first stinking roll thrown my way. I'm going to open up that hot roll. I'm going to have them put that sorghum molasses on there. I'm going to have, I'm going to have revival right there, brother. I'm, I'm just going to have a breakdown, breakthrough revival right there. Yeah, that big fried pork thing. It's about that big ring. Yeah. yeah. It's as big as a, a five-gallon bucket lid. Seriously. Seriously, it's that big. They, I mean, they bring out a skillet like this, and it folds over the sides. It's for real. How many of you want to come with them when they come? They all want to go. You know what I do when I come up here? I want salmon. I want fresh salmon and halibut. You know, that's what I want when I come up here. They go down there. They want pork steak. It's pretty rare. You know why? Because I want to taste. I remember what they taste like, but I like to refresh my memory every now and then. How about you? The same is true. The same is true when it comes to the things of God. Don't live on last year's or last month's experience with God. The Bible says His promises are new 
every morning. And I promise, if you'll pull yourself up to the table of the Most High God, you can have experience. Oh, I'm not saying that every day you have an earth-shattering vision from heaven and see the cherubims and the seraphims and all the hymns up there. No, 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 I'm just saying that. But every day you can have a fresh experience with God. Can I have it? Yeah. Pastor uh, gave a, a promise to this couple. I heard you say the word double, did you? Or did I just hear that from the Lord? I heard you say the word double to them. And while I was sitting there, the Lord spoke this to me to speak to you. There's a, there's a double reward for, for, the, for the pain and the work that's a corporate word for this church tonight. That there's double reward for the work so far in your life that you've committed. A double reward. A double reward. The Bible says he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And I want to speak that over you now. There is a double reward. That, that may flesh out differently in different people, but there's a, it's a double portion reward. God is in the... Don't, don't ever, ever think you're asking God for too much of anything. If you do, he'll let you know. He'll let you know. He'll let you know. If I won the lottery tomorrow, which I don't play the lottery, so I'm not going to win it. But I'm figuratively speaking, first thing I'd do, I'd pay your building off. Well, I'd pay our building off, and then I'd pay your building off. Yeah, but it'd be much easier to pay our building off than your building. So I, I, I'd just give them a, flip them a quarter. But then I would bring, I'd, I'd pay your building off. You can't ask God for too much stuff. You, you, you can't out-ask God. Well, I just need to be humble. Yeah, you do, and I do too. Moses said of himself, I'm the most humble man on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, he wrote that book, by the way. Moses is the most humble man on Earth. Guess who wrote the book? Moses. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm sure. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me? You want to double... Double reward. Double reward. Not blessing. Double reward. A blessing flows from the heavens, but a reward is for something done, something given, something loved, something worked for. That's what a reward is. If that's what you want, I want to just pray over all of you here this this evening. Just stand to your feet right now, would you, just for a moment, and let's just pray together. I want to solidify that word from the Lord. I heard it just as clear as as I'm speaking right now, tell them there's a double reward for their work. Just try to stretch your hands up towards heaven. I want to stretch my hands towards you. Father, I thank you tonight for your word. I thank you, God, that an experience from you is available for everybody. We've experienced you, God, but your promises are fresh every morning. And may that word of the Lord resonate in the hearts of every individual here today. And I pray, God, for a double reward. I speak a double reward double reward double reward for their work double reward double reward double reward in the name of Jesus I speak it over their life right now a double reward a double reward Jesus there are some people here right now that in your life you've made decisions in your life that have set you back 
they've been decisions that, that robbed you, you feel like of your future and many things in life, and it did rob you of a lot of things. But because of that, you think you think that that exempts you from the word tonight because you did it and you did. I know exactly how you feel because that's how I felt. That's how I felt after 10 years out of high school of chasing my own dream and what I wanted to do and not trying to follow God, not wanting to be a pastor, and then finally getting a revelation from the Lord that this, this is what you're called to do, and this is your last chance to follow this calling. And I said yes. And it was a hard yes because I was not in a place where I could just go do something for Jesus. And I beat myself up for years of years that I wasted pursuing my own thing until the Holy Spirit revealed that to me, that He can restore the years of the locust and the canker worm. And they, you know, God, God, He created the earth and everything in this world, millions of planets in six days. He could have done it in six seconds. He could have done it in six milliseconds. In the blink of an eye, He could have done it. What do you think God can do in your life in the time that you have left and what you're doing in this moment? God's speaking to some people right now. No, not everybody. You're like, no, it's not me. Good. That's okay. But if it is you, receive that word right now. God has a double portion, double reward for you. See, we, we have a mindset of God sometimes that He's a double punisher. No, that's a lie. He's a double blesser. He's a double rewarder. And I believe that's a clear word over this church family, a double reward in your life. Reach out like this and just take it in Jesus' name, Lord. May it be so, may it be so, may it be so, may it be so. Remove all the debris in people's hearts and minds and thought processes, God, that's 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 lodged up there. That's like it's a that's like a dam that, that just that's just that debris is there. Break that, break that, break that now in Jesus' name. Break that, break that, let their faith break through that, spearhead through that. Remove the logs, remove the root wads, remove all of those things, God. Let the fresh water, let the fresh blessing, the fresh reward from heaven flow into their lives in Jesus' name. May that be for this entire church family, even those that are not here tonight, God. May it be a corporate word that just resonates into their lives and begin to experience it in Jesus' name. We bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord God. Pastor led in prayer a few, few moments ago praying for people that uh, that needed a touch of healing in their life. And people came up and we prayed for, but maybe you're standing here right now and you need, you need a fresh touch from heaven. You need an experience. You feel dry. You feel beat up, run out. Let me give you a word of wisdom, and then I'm going to pray. I'm already on my time. All right. Because there's a minus in front of that back there. So. I, I want to pray for people.
I need to give you, I feel compelled the Holy Spirit to give you a word of wisdom. When fatigue comes in, faith goes out. I learned that many, many years ago. The Lord showed me that because I'm a worker. I'm a worker bee. I'm a doer. I get up at daybreak and go all day long. Feel good about it because I'm doing something. But that's not what God always wants. And He showed me that when fatigue comes in, my faith goes out. You see, is there a Bible for that? Yeah, there was this guy that I talked about earlier. His name was Elijah the Tishbite. Did anybody Google that and find out about him? All right, let me know later. So he goes and calls fire down from heaven, consumes an altar that he built with 12 barrels of oil, a water poured on it, and a bull that he killed by himself and put on it, and wood he put on it. And it licked everything up, including the dust. Then he takes a sword and kills 450 prophets of Baal. Nobody helping him. I mean, that's, that's a lot of whooping going on. I'm telling you right now. One, one prophet. But then Jezebel sends word to him, I'm going to do to you what you did to my prophets. He runs out in the wilderness, sits down by a tree and says, Oh, Jesus. Just take me on down. Well, if he wanted to go on now, he should have stayed in town. Jezebel's going to take care of that. Sometimes we try to fake God out. You can't fake God out. He didn't want to die. He just want God to feel sorry for him. God said, get up from here. I got 7,000 over here that's not bowed the knee. How did a man who called fire down from heaven consume, turn a nation back to God, kill 450 prophets of Baal, how did he not have faith to deal with some loudmouth woman up here in the palace or the, or the palace? How, how's that happen? Fatigue. I think it'll wear you out calling fire down from heaven, building the altar before that, and killing 450 prophets of Baal. That's a good day. That's a full day right there. He was tired. The enemy knows when to hit you when you're tired. It's when you're tired that the enemy comes in like a flood many times. That's why we depend on the Spirit of the Lord that raises up a standard against him. While you get some rest, the Holy Spirit's got a standard against that. While you go to bed and sleep, don't go dip netting or go fishing or go hanging out. You go to sleep. Now, that's a word for some people here because God can touch you and lift you up tonight. And a week from now, you're going to be back in the same spot because you are not managing your body and managing your time. Elijah was one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, of the greatest prophets that's ever lived. It was taken up in a whirlwind. Wow. And yet he got tired and faith went out. Some of you just need to reorder your schedule and go get off the video game, get off, get off the TV, get off whatever, and just, just go to bed a little earlier. And it changed your life. Something that simple. Did you get that? Now we're gonna pray. Now we're gonna pray. So if some of you are fatigued, 
Some of you feel dry in your spirit. I just want you to lift your hands toward the Lord, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Ghost to do what only He can do right now. I can't do it, but He can. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, you see the hearts of every person here, and I pray, Lord, for a wave of your presence, a wave of your power, of your anointing, of your strength, of your renewal to flow now. Just like on the day of Pentecost, you touch them, God. Release your power and your grace now to lift people. Renew their hearts and minds. Let fresh energy flow into them now. Heal them, Lord. Remove the dryness. Bring a freshness of your word, a freshness of your spirit. In the name of Jesus, I release it now. Be renewed. Be refreshed. Overjoyed right now. I pray for the joy of the Lord, which is our strength to be released now. Joy, 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 joy in the name of Jesus. Joy be released in this place and in these families. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now lift your voice and just rejoice in the Lord and give Him praise and thank Him and bless Him and honor Him. Come on, just thank Him and bless Him and praise Him. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.